thing we have in our Savior, Jesus, the greatest gift ever given. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, if you'll turn there, and let's thank the Lord. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us all, that you have sent Jesus to be the Savior, that you have uh, come to us who were cursed by sin and made uh, Jesus King and Messiah and our Lord. And we thank you for this opportunity to celebrate him together and we pray that you would uh, continue to bless and strengthen your people and our nation. We pray, Lord, for uh, the health of people, Lord, that you would prevent the spread of illness, that really joy and thanksgiving and gratefulness would spread as we celebrate you, as we consider the great things that you've given and the wonderful plans you have for us by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas. That's a a common greeting. It's been used for hundreds of years, and we all have different associations with Christmas. Coming to Australia, it's like mangoes. I never connected mangoes and barbecues with Christmas. It was always like snow, and and there's no snow where I lived in Southern California, but, uh, you know, gatherings, meals, special food, gifts. This year, we have social distancing, um, but for Christians, it's such a great time to re- remember Jesus, that he is our Savior, and that he came for us. We, we didn't even know we needed a Savior, but God saw fit to send him. And it's ironic that Jesus, being God in the flesh, could be a bit overshadowed by family traditions, seafood, puddings, or uh, bad jokes, you know, from your Christmas poppers. But this is nothing new. Jesus' birth was in obscurity. In a small town of Bethlehem, he was born without fanfare. There was no room for him in the inn, so he was laid in a manger. There was no friends or family who came to call to see the the child or his mother or or, uh, Joseph, but it was shepherds who were in the fields of Bethlehem, and God revealed through angels that the Messiah had been born. And so Jesus has been born, and suddenly these Shepherds rock up, and they worship the child, and they tell Joseph and Mary everything they said. This is what the angel said to them in Luke 2, 11 through 14. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, toward men. They saw that revelation in the night sky and just said, we got to go see what this is about. And they went and found Jesus and uh, began to tell everyone in the area about what they had seen and heard. And one family tradition we had growing up was if we would set up a nativity with uh, you know, Joseph and Mary and uh, the manger. We'd wait till Christmas day to put the little figure of Jesus in. And there were the shepherds and the sheep and an ox or something. Um, But there was another group that we had placed further away, the wise men that we're going to talk about today in Matthew 2. They came at a later date. And I was just thinking how strange it would be to be Joseph and Mary living in Bethlehem in in a rental property, most likely, and a year, 18 months after Jesus is born, to have these wise men show up, these um, rich, influential men from the East, whom you had never seen, who probably spoke broken Hebrew, and they show up with gifts to worship 
the Messiah, the King of the Jews. That would be so remarkable, and that's the story that we're going to read today. God revealed Jesus to the Jews first, the shepherds in Bethlehem, and then the Gentiles. And he, hopefully, um, you know, wise men, it says, still seek him. And uh, just think about, let's, let's be those who seek the Lord, who draw near to him. So Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Joseph and Mary had gone to Bethlehem because of a Roman census that required everyone to return to their hometown. And Joseph was of Bethlehem. So he and Mary went, and that's where Jesus was born. Interestingly, Bethlehem in Hebrew, it means house of bread. In Arabic, it means house of flesh. And that fits very well with the concept that Jesus is the living bread come down from heaven, and he has become flesh. God has become flesh and dwelt among us. And they came to Herod, who was in Jerusalem at that time. They inquired about the location of the king of the Jews. And this is very curious because the Jews didn't have a throne at that time, and Herod is already king. And it would be very strange for someone to be born king of the Jews, right? You'd be a prince before you're a king. So they come asking, where's the king of the Jews that we might worship him? Um, the scripture doesn't tell us how they knew about this, this star that appeared in the east, but they knew that it was coming they looked for it, and they responded to it. They left their homes, and they pursued it, and it led them to Jerusalem. There was a prophecy spoken by Balaam in Numbers twenty-four seventeen. It likely was their, where their information came from after the Hebrew Exodus. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. So it follows these wise men knew the prophecy. They were looking for the star. They saw it and followed it. And it was very troubling to King Herod. He was a tyrannical, bloodthirsty man. He actually killed some of his family, his sons, and his wife because he was suspicious of them. And uh, when a king like that is troubled, I think everyone is troubled too. All of his subjects. It's kind of like an oar in the water. You put that oar and you start moving it around, well, it's going to start shifting the water or a beater's in some cake mix. You know, it's going to trouble that batter. And he's like, what's going on? A king? This is like the guy you don't want to tell that there's a threat. But uh, they came straight to him, said, the king of the Jews has been born. Where is he? So we can worship him. Continuing in verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Herod gathers all the chief priests, all the scribes, all the experts of the Jewish law. And uh, they searched the scriptures. They knew where the Messiah or the Christ, the, the promised uh, anointed one of God would be. And they said, in Bethlehem, that's where the Messiah is going to be born. And that's in Micah 5.2. It says, uh, I'll just read it to you. This is the verse they quoted. 
It gives a little bit more information. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. So God, the one who is everlasting, he came in the person of Jesus Christ. The ruler and shepherd of God's people would be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. It was not a great city, but the greatest king would be born there. Don't we love stories about people raised in obscurity that go on to do great things? Think uh, of the Boxing Day test coming up and Josh Hazelwood. Have you ever read an article about him or what he's called? Anyone know his nickname? Come on, it's a cricket question, guys. Got to get this. The Bindemir Bullet. So almost every article I've seen on him, it always references his nickname, that he's from a very small town in New South Wales of under 500 people, and he's gone on to make a mark in international cricket. We love these kind of stories where someone from obscurity, someone who's not well-known, he becomes world-famous and a superstar. And Jesus is like infinitely greater story that it would be God coming to earth from this obscure village of Bethlehem, that he would be not just the king of the Jews, but the king of kings and lord of lords, the Messiah, the the son of God. The wise men believed it. The Jewish priests and scribes, they knew it. But most people were troubled about it instead of rejoicing. Verse 7, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. Herod, away from the crowd or his advisors, he calls the wise men to him and says, Hey, give me some details about if if the king of the Jews has been born, where he is, I want to worship him too. And he asked how long it had been since the star appeared. It may have been six months. It may have been 18 months. We don't know exactly how long of a time, but that would be how he could tell how old the child was. If the the star's appearance signaled the birth of the child and they had traveled a long distance, then he could know about how old the child is at that time. And he said, search carefully, find this kid. And I wonder, what stopped King Herod from actually going to Bethlehem? It was about 10 Ks away. Jerusalem to Bethlehem is quite a close journey. I'm just, it's the, the favor and grace of God that he didn't go. But I wonder, what about the priests and the scribes? If there was a chance the, the Jewish Messiah, the king of the Jews, might have been born, why didn't they go 10 Ks to just see, check it out? When the Messiah had just been born on their doorstep, I mean, the wise men, they traveled miles, likely months, following that star. And yet the people who lived so near, they couldn't be bothered to go and see for themselves. And I tell you the truth, there's many people who believe the Messiah has come, that Jesus is the Son of God, but we don't necessarily make a priority to seek him. We can come to church, we can know stories about the Bible, but we don't pursue a relationship with the living God who has sent Jesus to be our Savior. And I love to sing carols. Uh, Today I like, like to listen to carols and, you know enter in in my heart, but um, we, can, we can sing a carol and then quickly move on and really lose sight of Christ and that he is not just the reason for the season, he's the reason for our life. 
we will be worshiping and praising him forever. May we be those who know God, who believe God, who seek God. Herod, he was a pretender. The chief priests and scribes, they couldn't be bothered. But how about you? Will you seek Jesus? Will you pursue him? Because real worship, it means work. It means choosing Jesus. It means choosing him over something else. It means uh, more than commitment. It's giving our lives to him in service and worship and rejoicing in him. Not just like, oh, I'm glad that you're excited, but really being joyful yourself. And that's a joy the Lord gives us. Matthew 2, verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. It seems the star had led the wise men to Jerusalem, but then had dropped off the radar. They weren't able to find it. They weren't really sure where to go, and Herod was there, so they asked him where they should find the king of the Jews. And suddenly the star that had appeared in the east, it appeared again. And it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. It confirmed the word that the priests and scribes had spoke to them. It led them right to Bethlehem. It's like confirmed the word they just heard. They said it'll be in Bethlehem, and guess what? It was leading them right along the road to Bethlehem. It's like the effort to make the trip was rewarded and that they were going to see face-to-face the king of the Jews. And these weren't guys geeking out over astronomy. They were lost men who wanted a, a king. They wanted a savior. They were seeking after God. They were joyous that the Messiah had come. They weren't bummed out like, oh, King Herod is not coming, or those chiefs and, uh, the chief priests and scribes, where are they? They weren't a bit bummed out. No, they were stoked. They were excited. This, this word phrase, exceedingly great joy, it means violent, prolonged, loud, exuberant gladness. It's like the darkness of Jerusalem is suddenly shattered by these guys just shouting and cheering and like, right on. You know, they're so pumped to be able to, to, to go to the king of the Jews, the Savior they wanted to worship. It's like they found hidden treasure all their lives they had been looking for. Maybe their happiness can be seen in the child who receives a gift on Christmas Day that they they wanted but never imagined they'd receive. And like the presence of God led the children of Israel through the wilderness with a pillar of fire by night, so this star led them right to where the child was. Verse 11, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. These wise men entered the house and did something that it doesn't say that they did with King Herod. They fell down and worshipped the young child. It's interesting, too, that the child is mentioned before the mother. That would be very odd in that culture. So Jesus being mentioned first is very significant in Matthew. About, and he's believed to be about 6 to 18 months old. And they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Some assume that there's three wise men because there's three gifts mentioned here. And it's fitting that they should open their treasures because they counted Jesus the greater treasure. In fact, the greatest treasure. Now, when you have a treasure, when you have something that's special to you, 
don't you try to keep it to yourself? Right? If you have something you treasure, you have a safe place for that treasure. You don't want it to be burnt in the fire. You don't want it to be lost or stolen or forgotten. So we will lock it away. We'll put it in a secret place. It's your treasure. These men opened their treasures and gave of their treasure to Jesus. Now Jesus is worthy to receive all because he is worthy as the Son of God. I like what Matthew Henry, he said this, They offered him gold as a king, paying him tribute. Frankincense as God, for they honored him with the smoke of incense. And myrrh, a man that should die, for myrrh was used in embalming dead bodies. And it's difficult to really separate the coming of Jesus with the purpose for his coming, which was to die as a sacrifice for the sins of the world so that we could be forgiven, that we could know God and and draw near to him in faith. And these valuable treasures given to Jesus were entrusted to his parents and were likely used to fund their emergency trip to Egypt because shortly thereafter, Herod would receive word that the wise men had not returned to Jerusalem and he would send an order to kill the children that are two years and under in Bethlehem. It says that the wise men were warned in a dream that they were to go home a different way. They were not to return to Herod as they had agreed. And I'm so impressed by the faith of these wise men that knew the prophecy. They left their homes and they traveled. It's like they didn't know where they were going. This this trip could, it lasted weeks, months, and they're like, who knows how far we're going to go, but we're going to keep following this star until we find the king of the Jews. And they worshiped the child. They gave him of their treasures. In a year where there's been a lot of bad news, I mean, the pandemic gripping the world, and people are hungry for good news. I'm one of those people. I'll like say, all right, is there any good news today? And they're like, not much. It's kind of all the same. It's kind of all can be pretty bad. But the message of Christmas, it's such a timeless, awesome Good news, because God has come to seek and to save the lost. Anyone who needs a king, Jesus is the king of kings, and we can worship him, we can seek him, and we don't have to go to Bethlehem or Jerusalem to worship the Lord, but we can draw near to him with our hearts of faith, even now, that we can have eternal life through Jesus. That is awesome. In the wise men seeking the king of the Jews, those were the kind of people God is seeking. And that is such a good truth. If you could turn to John 4, starting in verse 21. Later, as Jesus was an adult and ministering, he came to Samaria and he spoke to a woman by the well. And this is what he says there in John chapter 4. Verse 21, he said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Isn't that awesome? These wise men are looking for Jesus, and those are the people God is looking for. He's seeking people who will worship him, seeking to save those who believe in him, 
who, and we don't need to have gifts like gold, frankincense, and myrrh that are worthy of a king because he has become like us. He has become a man so that we could know him, so that he could die in our place. That Jesus being conceived of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit uh, rested upon him as the way the truth, and the life. And this story that we're speaking about today, it's not a fable. It's not a myth. This is historical truth. It's evidence of God's word and the salvation and peace that he brings to all people. We can rejoice in Christmas because it's a holiday or because of food. But do you rejoice because Jesus is your king? You are his subject. He is your savior. He is your good shepherd. Are you willing to open up the treasury of your heart and give God your life in worship? Final verse here, John 1, starting in verse 10. He says, He was in the world, speaking of Jesus, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It's evident the wise men believed because their pursuit of Christ, it, it governed their life. Like they put down their, I don't know what jobs they had. I don't know what they left, but they had to leave something to go seek Jesus. And they were willing to do whatever it took to worship the king of the Jews. And we don't have to become priests or monks uh, to seek God, but it means to make Jesus our chief pursuit, that we would pursue him, we would seek him, we would follow his righteous example, we'd give our lives to the one who gave his life for us. We can be born again, we can be received into the kingdom of God, what awesome news this is. If you could go back to that time, if you were in Jerusalem and these wise men came and you heard the king of the Jews was born in Bethlehem, would you go? Would you have sought him? I think it's easy to make excuses when the things we value or treasure are greater than God. And it's one thing to welcome a child into the world with presents or to leave a present with someone on Christmas Day. We're called to welcome Christ. We're called to give ourselves to him. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking for people who respond to the gospel, respond to his grace. And those who know God and worship him, they will be filled with exceedingly great joy that there's no temporary merriment that can match that. When we say Merry Christmas, it, it's really a seasonal greeting, but Jesus, he provides joy beyond reckoning. Prince of peace, a glorious God. To be born again, to know God is, is a gift. And let's praise him for that. Let's thank him and draw near to him in faith. Let's be those who seek him and rejoice in him and all he's done. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. He is the King of kings. Lord, we acknowledge him as God made flesh who has dwelt among us. And thank you, by his grace, we can be 
children of God, that we can be received into your kingdom, that we can know you, that you will receive uh, even us wretched sinners into your presence with exceeding great joy. Lord, we worship you and we're grateful that you know our needs and you are able and willing to meet them, that you know we need a Savior. You know that we're lost in the dark and you've sent Jesus to be a Savior and the light of the world who leads us into eternal life, who gives forgiveness and hope in a hopeless world. Lord, I pray that we would be just free from the fetters of self, from uh, worldly pursuits, and it would all be turned around to pursuing you and seeking you and rejoicing in you, and not in ourselves, not what we acquire, not what we receive. But Lord, may we receive you because you have received us and you are seeking us. Thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to see you. And thank you for the testimony of these wise men that went all that way to worship Jesus, and may we do the same. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.